Did you find it? Thank you. In the book of Philippians, Paul and Timothy come together to write a message to committed servants that will stay committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in those words of Philippians 1, 3, and 6, it says this, Paul and Timothy say to the church of Philippi, Every time you cross my mind, I break out in exclamation of thanks to God. And each exclamation is a trigger to pray. I find myself praying for you with a glad heart, and I'm so pleased that you have continued on in this with us, believing and proclaiming God's message from the very day you heard it right up to the present. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep on flourishing it and finishing it to the very day of Christ Jesus' appearance. I, I believe that God wants to encourage us this morning with that. I want to go back to Exodus 3 because it is that little book that is tucked in that God starts looking at his people and there is a desire in the heart of God to fit them in to what they were born and created for. You and I are not born and created for ministry, but we are born and created to glorify God in the way that we live. The smallest gift that you and I can ever give God is to wrap ourselves up in ourselves. That is the smallest gift. The smallest acclamation that you can ever receive is a title rather than a lifestyle. Now God is going after the children of Israel. I want to say to you and I this morning, I wished it was a seven-method message that we could go back and just in seven methods get all the church together and believe God for us to have the strength to do what he desires for us to do. But strength never comes from just praying. Strength comes from relationship in God and to be in covenant with this incredible God. That's where our strength comes from. Now God is going to call Moses into the presence of God because he understands the task before him to bring a people out of where they are into where they need to be to gather the harvest and to proclaim who God is in the promises of where God wants them to live is going to take great strength. And that strength comes from the revelation of seeing him. This morning, I don't know about you, but the enemy literally is attacking the church in every effort it has because it realizes its time is short. And there really is two kingdoms colliding together, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. And in the midst of it, hell senses this prophetic moment. He does not understand fully what God is going to do or how he is going to do it, but he senses that prophetic moment. And the word prophetic that I want you and I to embrace this morning is when we have a fresh encounter with God that he literally revives us. We sang, let revival come. It can never come through a movement. Revival comes from an English word that literally means mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. That I need the breath of God to breathe on me. I remember collapsing years ago and began to hemorrhage in a Target store. And it just so happened as I collapsed on the floor in a pool of blood and began to hemorrhage, I lost consciousness. And there in the Target store happened to be a paramedic that was black. And I want you to know when you're dying, it don't matter whose lips touch your lips. Come on, you'll get delivered real fast. And this black man, when I woke up, was giving mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation and reviving me as he began to do what he was equipped and, and, and uh, qualified to do. And I came back to life, and I realized that in a split moment, life can be sucked out of you. Religious spirits suck the life out of the church. Competition sucks the life out of church. 
Competitiveness sucks the life out of church. Prayerlessness sucks the very life out of the church. And now God is going after the enemy that is ruling over God's people that literally are holding them in bondage. I want to say this to you and I this morning. When hell starts to ward you, it is not a time to back up. Come on, there has got to be something inside of you that says, I will hold my ground until I can take ground. And this morning, I am so grateful for a holding faith, even if I have not got the breakthrough for a taking faith. Come on. Because there is a faith where you just hold ground. Paul put it this way, having done all to stand, I will continue to stand. In the midst of it, God now is going to take a hold of Moses and he is going to interrupt his routine and turn him aside to get his attention. Now, my question this morning is, where is God in this harvest time really trying to get the attention of the church? That, that's my question. Because I raised nine kids and I want you to know it was not always easy to get their attention. Come on, and sometimes it took great measure to get their attention because they occasionally were like brain dead. <laughs> and I had to assist them in finding their brain on this journey. Now, in the midst of it, God will do things to get your attention. Right now, Sylvia Evans and myself are going through incredible physical battles. Now, I want to just talk to you just for a minute. I believe that Jesus is the healer. I believe at the spoken word, we can be healed. I believe we can lay hands on the sick and pray the prayer of faith and they will be healed. But can I just talk to you for a moment? When God does not deny the healing but delays it, there is something that he's wanting to get your attention about. Come on, because there are some things that are not denied in us, but they are put on delay in us so he can get our attention. With Joshua, it was Moses' death. Because here is this man who has walked with Moses for so many years, and now he is standing in the book of Joshua, and God has to say to him, Moses is dead, and God gets his attention that what he held confidence in was now shaken to the very core, logically, because now he looks at the fact that Moses is dead. Elijah, it was a dry brook. You remember Elijah the prophet, he comes in and the book is flowing with water. And there are occasions in our life when God dries up things, come on, where we're sitting in the church and everybody's swimming in a river and we can't even spell it. Come on, there's something dry in our prayer lives, something dry in our praise, something dry in our commitment. And Elijah God, God got Elijah's attention by drying up things. With Paul, it was a light on the road of Damascus. He was, his name was Saul, and God kicked him off his donkey, and he landed on his, well, whatever. But anyway, he landed on his tush. You don't want me to use the King James Version, but he landed on his tush. And in the midst of it, God got his attention because, listen, when you're blind and headed in the wrong direction, and you suddenly go blind, and you can't see direction in front of you, and you can't see that what you're doing is wrong, that will get your attention. And in the midst of it, God now is looking at Moses and it's a burning bush. My question is, if we're really going to bring in this harvest, how can God get our attention so that we understand that God does not want the church to take an opportunity, but wants it to receive a call? Because there's something when opportunity comes along, that you become an opportunist. And in the midst of it, you do not receive the call. We, we are frustrated right now in harvest time because we've got people who have received a professional position inside the church, but never a divine call. And there's something when you get a divine call that it burns in your bones. And there's something that God really comes and reveals who he is in the midst of it. So my question to you is, what are you currently going through that's preparing you to receive the call of God? Because now God is going to call Moses and get his attention because he has need of a leader. 
So in the midst of it, as we look at it, God is looking at him and he declares to him that he is standing on holy ground. My cry for the church is that we don't bring a big harvest into the church and we position it on polluted ground. Or we position it on on just charismatic ground. Or we position it on a denominational ground. But we position it on holy ground with a holy God, with a holy plan, with a holy call, with holy strength, with holy confidence. And in the midst of it, the challenge to the church right now is are we going to literally return to God in such a way that he works holiness in us, that we respond to this call because we have heard his voice. Now, I love the teaching this morning. We're not going to be sheep. We're going to transfer over into horses. But the real truth is, and our sister, she'd had time to elaborate on it, would have said this. We are sheep at time to hear his voices and horses in warfare. So we have to be of dual personality. Come on. Not schizophrenic, but know how to shift. And uh, you don't want to be schizophrenic. I'll lay you on my couch and straighten you out. Because uh, schizo people, you can call it out, slap it out, jerk it out, or, or kick it out. But it's not supposed to be living in your house. So we are sheep that hear his voice so that we can follow him because he's the shepherd. And we are horses that she talked about that literally mount up with the vigor and the determination and the strength that horses go to war and they have an endurance level to them that literally honor and glorify God. So in the midst of it, as we come to this burning bush though, it is not a sheep's voice, it is is not a horse, but as we look at it this morning, it is a holy God that is looking for a holy response. And I think many times what God wants to do in our life, there are hindrances because we have not surrendered. And in the midst of it, God wants a surrender out of the church, not just a yes. Because see, when you say yes, you can cooperate with him, then add your agenda. Come on, but when you surrender to him, you will know how to be a sheep, you will know how to be a horse, you will will know how to go to war, you will know how to be a believer to receive, but you also will know how to be a disciple to follow what God wants to do. So God is looking at Moses and verse 2 of chapter 3 said he looked and he saw. And then in verse 3, Moses makes a decision to turn aside. And in verse 4, God saw that decision. And when he made that decision, that's where the call came from. My call to you this uh, in the closing message is that in harvest time, we will make a decision to turn aside. And we will let the transformation of the sheep that hears the voice like shepherds uh, know how to make a sound to the sheep. We will hear it. We will become his horses that will rage into the warfare with God. But we will make a decision where God can call us. I found out that God wants to call us and we want to understand that when God calls us, he's asking for three words, here I am. Not this is what I want to do or can I do this or are you really sure that this is what my call is on my life? Just the respond, here I am. How many of you know that when you respond, here I am, you cannot miss God's will? So we heard it presented to us this morning that God is looking for our availability. There was a challenge from our sister for you and I to stand up and say, here I am, God, do it. I'm available. So in the midst of it, Moses hears the call of God. And when he hears the call of God, God is going to get him in the right place with the right strategy that we heard this morning. And he's going to do it the right way. I don't know about you. I am ready to do this thing right. So in the midst of it, can I just say to this, don't let your ministry mess up your eternal life. Come on, because some people are so involved in ministry, they're missing eternal life that God wants to live through them and do something in them. And not only that, but don't send other people to heaven and you miss it. Come on, see, God literally wants us to return to holiness. So you've got to treat the place where you stand on as holy. Now, remember where you were when he called. 
See, I can remember our sister described the day when she was delivered and she could remember what she had on, what God did for her, how, how dramatic it was, how, how it sealed something, how it separated something, how, how it worked something in her. That, that's an encounter with God. And in the midst of it, you've got to remember where you were called. So in the midst of it, I'm standing here and I can remember where I was called as a Baptist girl. And, and by the way, it was not an easy surrender for me because theologically, I'd been brainwashed to believe that women could work in the nursery, sing in the choir, come on, work with kids, but couldn't preach in the church. It's amazing they will turn over the next generation to women. The most important generation and yet, they couldn't preach in church. And so in the midst of it, God messes with you. And, and literally, when he calls you, he doesn't care what church doctrine is. Come on, he just read the book. And he believes he wrote the book. He inspired the book. And therefore, he will do whatever he can to mess with you. So you line up with the book. And I should have known when it said women be silent in church and they give their interpretation, I should have known it was wrong because God has never created a woman that can remain silent. I mean, we have our opinion anyway. We do it with body language even when we're not saying anything. We can convey a message back and forth. We, we have an opinion for everything. Whether it's right or wrong, we will give you our opinion. And in the midst of it, now God is going to call Moses into this holy place where, where he's got to remember as he presses forward for the harvest that God has delivered him by the voice of God, the call of God, the fire of God, the presence of God, the holiness of God has now positioned him so that as he's going through the process to get the harvest and set God's people free, he literally knows that God God is holy. So in the midst of it, the ground is not holy because you haven't experienced. The ground is holy because the God that showed up is holy. He can only be holy. So Moses is never called again because God seals this thing inside of him that he is called by God. Now, let me just talk to you for just a few minutes and then I'm going to close. The call of God is is so incredible. You know, you sensed it on our sister this morning. You sensed it on Sister uh, Sylvia and Sister Barbara and, and, and Sister June. I'm trying to think of her name. Dear Lord. <laughs> Sister June. Sister Betsy. You know, Brother Jim. I guess I should say Jim Jim. But anyway, because both of them are present. But you sense the call of God upon them. And in the midst of it, you have got to know with the call of God what the assignment of God is because God has a clear assignment because he is holy. God does not give you an assignment, an assignment without giving you influence with that people because if you do not have favor with the people, you cannot execute what God wants to do. So God is going to give him favor. The, uh, in the midst of it, he is going to call him to go after a people. But not only is he going to call him, listen to me this morning, supernaturally, he's going to equip this God. This God is going to equip Moses because when you go after people in bondage at harvest time, you have to have something supernaturally working and operating in your life rather than just words. Because, see, they are in bondage for 430 years. They've heard the covenant. They've, they've, they've heard it over and over, who Abraham is, who Isaac is, who Jacob is. And in the midst of it, they are going to have to have a demonstration of this covenant God. Now, Philippians 3, 3, 12 and 14 says this. I'm not saying Paul and Timothy wrote this. I'm not saying that I have all this together, that I have made it. But I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wonderfully reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the gold, where God is beckoning me onward to Jesus. I'm often running, and I will not turn back. 
That's what happens when you embrace a holy God, that there is something that you know. I have not obtained it all, but I understand this principle. If I don't press through, come on, if there isn't something inside of me that starts pressing through, I will never obtain what God really wants to do in my life. Why? Because with every divine assignment for the harvest, there is a demonic force that wants to hinder you and I from pressing through. So Paul and Timothy exhort the church and tell them that all that is negative that goes on in your life only has one agenda behind it. I don't care what is going on, whether it's your health, whether it's pain that some of us may be in, whether it's a family situation or a marriage situation or a ministry trans, uh, transition or a church problem. All the assignments of the enemy are based on this one stronghold. What can I assign to your life to disfocus you from God? What can I do in your life that will so weary you and tire you and drain you and drain your finances and, and, and knock you on your back where you can't get up? What can I do to disfocus you from God? Because if I can disfocus you from God, I can dislodge you from the call. And if I can dislodge you from the call, I can dislodge you from going after the harvest. Can I talk to you? So in the midst of it, now Paul writes to them that I'm often running, and here is my statement of faith, I will not turn back. So all that's negative in our life is to focus us from God. Now Paul, now Moses looks at this thing, and he starts logically processing this thing. Because he knows who he is, but he doesn't know that God knows what he is. See, most of the time we will logically process it because in logic we will try to talk ourselves out of what God sees that he can do. So Moses is making all kinds of excuses logically because God is not accepting them. He is looking at them and he is literally saying, I send you. Now I want you to know as we go out of this building this morning, God sends you and I to pursue what God wants us to do. And I cannot do what God called you to do any more than you can do what God called, come on, me to do. So in the midst of it, as we look at it, I want you to know that you are created to glorify God. That, that is the heart cry of God over the church right now. And in the midst of it, God calls us. And he calls us to have a vision of what he sees, not what we want to see, but what he sees. He sees the affliction, he hears the cry, he sees the suffering, he sees the bondage of mankind right now. Our nation, I, I just want to say this, and I don't want to upset anybody, but our nation is a godless nation. We are a heathen nation. We are not a Christian nation. We need to wake up. And yet we are so engrossed in going over across seas. And please hear my heart because I prayed with a precious couple and their family who feel called to Africa. There are people that call. But do you understand right now, foreign countries are sending missionaries to America? And the words of Jesus is this, you will first go to Jerusalem, then you will go to Judah, then you will go to Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the world. Jerusalem is your city you live in. Judah is your county. Samaria is your nation. And then the uttermost parts of the earth. We are going to be shocked because we try to always jump the loop and do what causes us not to really have to pay the price to demonstrate it and live it in Jerusalem. Because it's in Jerusalem that somebody has to see that God is glorified. In the midst of it now, Moses is going to hear this call and God is going to bring him to a place where he said, I am the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob. Now, I do not claim to be a, a Hebrew scholar, but it would do us good just for a moment in our little tiny minds to look at what God was saying. 
Because when God said, I am Yahweh, it it is an incredible statement, I am. When you break the word God down in English language, it is Jehovah. But Jehovah really doesn't have the contents that Yahweh has. And when he looked and said, I am Yahweh, this is who I am, Yahweh. In the midst of it, what he was saying to Moses is this is a verb that simply means in the Hebrew language, I want to be who I am and I am who I am. It is as simple as that. I want to be who I am and I am who I am. So in the midst of it, the deliverance that our sister was talking about this morning, there was something hindering Yahweh to activate a verb that could move and become what he was. So God brings deliverance to us. He makes room for himself so he can be Yahweh in our lives. So that when we look at it, it means to be. I am who I am. And I always will remain who I am. Let me break it down for you just for a moment. Yahweh means that I am self-efficient. I I, I self-exist on my own self. I, I really don't need anybody to add anything to me. I am who I am. That's why we need to get back on holy ground because we're adding stuff to who God is when it really isn't who he is. So when you stand on holy ground and this I am comes and says, I I don't want to break it down as Jehovah. I want to say the Hebrew word Yahweh over you. I I want it to be. I I want you to know I am who I am and I'm self-existence. I I have no beginning. I look at Jim Jackson. I love him, but I can trace his birth certificate. And when he dies, I can trace his death certificate, which says he has a beginning and an end. I'm talking in the natural. But you can't get a birth certificate on God. And you cannot get a death certificate. Because he's Yahweh, he's self-existence, he, he is who he said he is. It, it literally means God exists along, God never will cease to exist. And God stands there before Moses because it is important that Moses know this. He is the eternal one, he is the perfect one, he is the absolute one, he is the uncaused one, he is the idea expressed in that, is fourfold, he's he's real, he's perfect, he's unconditional, he's independent, this is who he is. And what he was trying to say to Moses is if I go with you and you let me be who I am, you can't fail. Come on, that's the holy ground that God wants to bring the church into a covenant that if I'm with you, you cannot fail this thing. You will succeed, not because of who you are, but because my name is Yahweh. Come on, I activate that verb. I will be who I need to be, and I stand all along, and I will do what I said I will do. So in the midst of it, there needs to be a cry from the body of Christ, Yahweh. There needs to be something that rises up inside of us that says Yahweh. Because you cannot declare Yahweh until you're on holy ground. And you turn aside and he reveals himself. And in his holiness, he uncovers himself. And he said, this is who I am. And you've got to know who I am before I release you to go on enemy territory. Why? Because the bondage is strong. The bondage is strong. People have lived so dysfunctional. I hate that word because it is a psychology word. It is not a biblical word. But dysfunctional, people have lived abnormal for so long that they now believe the normal or the abnormal is normal. Because we need an encounter with Yahweh. We need a holy God to call us on holy ground. And through the covenant of that Jewish root that we talk about, it's not so we can get involved in Judaism, but it's to make us understand out of the root of Jesse. Come on, something sprung up. And he still declared himself through the new covenant. Yahweh. 
there's something about Yahweh when you come into that revelation that you know, I, I, I know that I'm going to make it. I know I'm going to have a breakthrough. I know I'm going to be healed. I know I'm going to affect the nation. I know Jerusalem's going to know I'm here. I know Judea's going to know I'm here. I know Samaria's going to know I'm here. I know the uttermost parts. Why? His name is Yahweh. There is something about that revelation. Now, Moses is like you and I this morning. He feared personal rejection. We heard the incredible deliverance story from our precious sister. That personal rejection was their inferiority. He felt the people would deny his call and mission. He felt they would not believe that the Lord had appeared to him. He felt like they wouldn't even listen to his message of freedom from slavery. And that he really hadn't heard God. And so God, did you notice in, in, in Exodus 3, God didn't address any of that. Come on. But logically, come on, Moses is trying to work this thing in his mind. See, I found out some of the frustrating moments I have with myself and church folk is we got so full of the Spirit, we are brainless. <laughs> Come on, we don't process. And Moses is processing this thing. And in the midst of God listening to him processing, he looks down and he said, you're my choice. Now, in the midst of it, he's going to give him supernatural things that I just want to close with this morning. Number one, he's going to put a staff in his hand. And you know that when the staff hit the ground, I love it. It became a snake, and Moses jumps back. Big, macho man. Come on, he just literally jumps back at that thing. And then God tells him to pick it up by the tail, and it becomes a staff again. And in the midst of it, God wanted him to understand that the serpent was that carved image that you saw over and over and over in Egypt. In fact, the ten plagues, if we went through them this morning, it was a challenge to every Egyptian god. There's not one plague that isn't connected to an Egyptian god. Because when Yahweh comes on the scene to get the harvest and to set church folk free, what he does is he challenges every God that has raised itself up and positioned itself against the knowledge of who he is. So in the midst of it, this staff turns into a serpent and, and Moses reaches down to get it by the tail, and it becomes a staff again. Why? Because we heard it effectively this morning, and we've heard it through uh, uh, Sylvia Evans and other speakers. It, God wants you to know that any time you go to set people free, you better have the shepherd with you and better know that the authority has been placed in your hand and released in your hand against demonic spirits. Come up because you won't get on territory where God's going without facing demonic spirits. God has given us power over principalities, powers, and rulers. Can I just meddle with you just a moment? And I'm going to mess with you just this last moment. God has not given us I bind you, Satan. I love it when we get in this prayer. I take authority over you, Satan. Satan's not even here. Come on, because he's not omnipotent. Come on, he can only be one place. Come on, church, at one time. Now, I love the song, he's under my feet. No, he's not under your feet. He's under Jesus' feet. Come on, because see what God wants us to understand. How many of you know we sing a lot of stuff? He's not under our feet. He's under Jesus' feet. Why? Because Jesus understood this. You're no match for Satan. I'll take him on myself. Come on. But how he runs his kingdom 
principalities, powers, and rulers, assignments that will come, hindrances that will come. You have authority over that. And anytime he shows his head, grab him by the tail. And in Jesus' name, come on, you can be more than conquerors. Come on, you can be victorious. So in the midst of it, God wants us to understand we're going after this harvest. God wants to literally bring an increase to the church. God wants to do the miraculous. But God wants us to understand that we've got to have the release from the voice of God on holy ground to have the authority to do it. What authority rim has God given you? Because you need to know how to break the authority and the power and the assignment. The second thing was God took Moses' hand and put it inside of his heart. He is still on holy ground because it's on holy ground where Yahweh comes that he gives you the authority. The struggle with women of the word has been very obvious. We're we're struggling over and over in different issues. And even the struggle of wondering, God, why didn't we have the big crowd like we had last year? I mean, those struggles. But in the midst of it, it's a disfocusing where you can get hell by the tail. Come on. And right there by the head, you can just literally say, I don't care how many come. God still is Yahweh. Come on. He, He still is who he said he was. So in the midst of it, God puts authority in your hand. Jim Jackson has authority right now in the hand of God to execute what is called Christian Believers United. And, and, and even with the struggles and the battles, there has still been incredible victories. Come on, incredible breakthroughs, supernatural things that have happened because the authority is there. God has given you authority in where you worship God. Come on, hell should not be able to mess with your church. Come on, because he's given you authority. His name is Yahweh. God wants you to know if you're single, hell ought not be able to mess with you. I'm old and wrinkled and you can look at me and tell that, you know, bless her heart, everything's sagging and bagging and come on, there's nothing high and lifted up. And, but I want you to know, the other day I was in a church and a man put a make on me. Because see, there are two kinds of men, blind and desperate. I couldn't figure out which one he was, blind or desperate. And all of a sudden, he began to make advances towards me. And I thought, bless his heart. He's just one of those desperate men. But I tried to be polite. How many of you understand? You cannot be polite to a demon. So I tried to be real polite to him and kind. And all of a sudden, he came forward and put his hand right here. Now, you got to understand, this is my tush. (laughs) At any time you put your hand there, I'm sorry, (laughs) you are a devil. (laughs) And so I looked at him and I said, excuse me, would you please remove your hand? And he said, oh, I didn't realize I was doing that. I said, don't be a devil and a lying devil too. Now, I want you to know I had no more problems. (laughs) God has given you authority. God wants you to know that the church has power and dominion concerning nations. That we literally can affect nations. Now Moses puts his hand in, in his bosom and God pulls it out and it is leprosy. And he puts it back in, and he pulls it out, and it's clean again. Listen to me, church. It is one thing to have a church that knows authority in its hand, but it's another thing to bow to that authority for the issues of our heart, for God to search us, for God to try us, for God to deal with whatever is an attitude inside of us. Because, see, we forget that our heart is deceitful, and no one knows it but God himself. So it's God's part for me in prayer every day to put my hand over my heart and pull it out and say, God, whatever there that isn't lining up with your holiness, God, would you deal with it? Because my cry is Yahweh who is holy. 
He's the one who touches our hearts. And I found out that in traveling, the frustration, not only with me, but a lot of church believers, is people who are gifted of God, who have authority in their hands, but their heart isn't lining up with their ministry. Come on, there's something there that needs to be transformed and something that needs to be changed and something that needs to be cut away and something that, that literally hinders the holiness of God. And God began to speak as Yahweh and he wanted Moses to understand this. What good is it if I give you authority but I don't teach you how to come under authority because one day in the new Jerusalem what you are going to stand in is submitted to authority. Come on, who Yahweh is. What a shock when you and I heard of Jim Baker and Earl Puck and Jimmy Swaggart. And I just call those names because they were out in the media. We know about them. But the issue wasn't where they called of God. The issue wasn't did they have authority from God. The issue was they forgot how to bow under that authority. And something in their heart literally didn't declare Yahweh anymore. He's Yahweh in my ministry and he's Yahweh in what I do, but he's not Yahweh in my life. God needs to captivate our heart where the passion of this thing does not disconnect. And the third thing was the water and the word. I, I love the blood because he said to Moses, when you get there, listen, if they won't believe then I want you to do this last sign. I, I, I want you to come and I want you to declare, if they will not believe, you scoop out of the Nile River. Now the Nile River was the source of all the gods in Egypt. It was the supreme being. It was the ag agricultural god. It was a God where all the water fell into the terrains and all the rivers were filled up with this God. And now they are going to come and they are going to stand there and Moses is going to scoop out of their God water and pour it on dry ground and it is going to turn to blood. Listen to me, church. The church has got to return to believing in the blood. Come on, we've got to return. Come on, I love prayer lines. I'm not against prayer lines. I, I love those prayer lines where we lay hands. Sometimes they're empty hands on empty heads, but God's word isn't empty. Come on, and he, he just, he does it anyway. Come on, because his word cannot return void. Come on, he'll accomplish what he wants to do. There's nothing like the laying on of hands. But listen to me, church. We have to build our altars again. There is something about building altars when you come into the presence of a holy God. That you understand, thank God for the prayer line. Because it's the God in other individuals that I can receive from when I have need. When I'm sick, I, I call for the elders. Come, come on. And the God in them reaches out because Yahweh wants to meet with me. And thank God when I'm discouraged that, that, that someone can pray the prayer of hope over my life and lay hands on me and something revives in me. But the altar is not where God touches us. The altar is where we touch God. So now we have a congregation and a church movement that wants to be touched by God. And now they have become touchy. Come on, because they don't know how to touch God for themselves. God brought Moses into the place where he was Yahweh because he said, listen, your security, your confidence, your holiness, your, your moment of success, the power in your hand, your heart being submitted and objective and surrendered to me. I want more than a yes. A yes can become a no, but I want to surrender because if you surrender to me, you will do my will and you will obey me and you will succeed. Seed. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Let me close. The devil is not afraid of the giftings in the church. 
We can raise the dead right here. And it would not disturb hell one bit. We could have opened blind eyes. June and Sylvia and I have been in the movement long enough to tell you we have seen the supernatural. I have seen dead people literally raised from the dead. I have seen blind eyes open. I've, I've seen deaf ears open. I've seen my own daughter after 97 times in the hospital. God raise her up and break the power of cystic fibrosis over her and give her two new lungs. I have seen the miraculous. And there is something when you receive from God that it makes you believe in God. But it's when you stand before Yahweh, a holy God, that you realize I've got to become more than a receiver. I've got to be one who will surrender to God so a nation can hear his voice again and get out of their bondage and know you were created to glorify him. Yahweh. Yahweh. There's power in the blood. The Bible says this in Revelation. I still believe in the Bible. Regardless of what they're adding to it. But the Bible says this, and they overcame by the power of of the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You know what that testimony is? What did Yahweh do that you could not do for yourself? What did he do for you? In intensive care, they did everything that they could do for me. And yet the doctors looked and said, it's not working. They notified my kids. You just might as well brace yourself because you're not taking her home. Do you know what it is to be racked with physical pain where you cannot focus, you cannot concentrate, you cannot pray, you cannot read? A tape recorder going with the Word of God that I couldn't even focus on, couldn't even concentrate on, couldn't even make logic out of it. But it isn't always physical pain. Sometimes it's emotional pain and pain of the past and we can't make sense out of it and somehow we're so disfocused in the midst of that pain. But listen to me, promotion never comes without test. And it's in that moment that you've got to know his name Yahweh. A covenant God who cannot change. It's in that moment when your family's falling apart and your kids are acting crazy. and You're single and you're being tempted on every corner and there's no place for you and you don't know who you are or what you're supposed to do. It's in that moment you've got to have a revelation of Yahweh. The blood. Now let me close. You cannot have life without the blood and water. Some of us are single here and I want to pull you in. Some people here have never had children. I want to pull you in. But we who have had children know that that baby, the minute that seed begins to germinate out of covenant relationship, it forms itself in a sack that is filled with blood and water. Because life has to be cocooned with blood and water. 
A woman knows when she is ready to give birth because the pain will begin to happen and the pain will allow her to stop her activity, concentrate on the pain. And the pain of that concentration will bear her down in great travailing and great pain and bring forth with great pain inside of her a birth of something but not without first that water bag busting and the first evidence that life is on the way is blood and water God made Moses understand I'll take an Egyptian God and the bondage of hell and the bondage of the world and I'll scoop it up and when I pour it out it will transform right in front of you of what Calvary will do because between the blood and the water of the piercing of his side I I am God Yahweh and I will birth this thing and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. Amen. There is a birthing process. Hell can't kill me. That's right. God numbers the days of my heart. That's right. Hell can't kill you. God knows the numbers of the days of your life. Holy. Moses goes through ten plagues to declare there is no other God but Yahweh. Every demonstration of salvation, infilling of the Spirit, healing, deliverance, prosperity, whatever God does to cause us to reach out and receive of Him, He wants to declare, my name is Yahweh. That's who I am. But the final blow was death. God spoke to them that a death angel was about to come into the nation. I do not want to leave on the negative, but listen to me, church. A death angel is about to approach our nation. And God looked at the Israelites and he told Moses, here's what I want you to say. You tell them, that if they will mark the doorpost of their house and if they will bring the lamb inside the house and if they will have a moment of Seder with me, which is now the Lord's table, if they will eat of the bread and drink of the cup, when the death angel comes, it will pass over their house. But if they don't mark their house where they live, the death angel has the power to enter in and kill that which cannot live. That's why God is bringing us to the harvest right now to declare my name is Yahweh because listen, it is not where you go to church. I want to know, does he live in your house? Is your home marked with the blood? Do you know how to commune with him? Do you know how to have Seder with him? Yahweh. Where you eat and taste and know the Lord is good. But listen to me. You know what was incredible? They called that supper inside their house Passover. That where death should have come because of the lamb, it passed over. Come on, do you understand yes. the judgment that's fixing to come to our nation? That God wants us to know that if we have him where we live, it'll pass over. Where you thought it was going to die, it'll live. It can pass over. And after struggling in intensive care for three days in such pain, I said to my kids, Bring me communion. Yeah. 
because I need to taste and see that God is good. I need to break my portion off the bread and eat it and know that he still is the healer and that his presence will cause death sentences to be broken off and life will come to me. I need Passover. I need the water and the blood. I need the power of the cross. I need the sanctification of the washing of his word. I need to hear the words of Paul. I refuse to turn back. Not that I've obtained, but I press on towards the call that is in him. Not in ministry, in him. My declaration over you in this last moment is you cannot change the name of Yahweh. He is. He always will be. You cannot alter him. Religious spirits cannot abort him. Wrong doctrines cannot change him. He is a covenant God, and his name is Yahweh. And when you go home, you have the wonderful privilege, whether you are single or you are a woman whose husband is yet to be saved or he's yet totally committed to God or your kids aren't committed to God. You have the wonderful privilege of walking in the house, marking over the doorpost in the spirit. I declare for me and my household, he is Yahweh. And that whatever death sentence is in this house, if I apply the blood and I believe in the power of the word and a covenant God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I shall live in yes. my household. Yes. That's what Rahab did that we heard so yes. spoke of. Nobody in her household believed but Rahab. Rahab put the scarlet ribbon down there and said, I mark my house. Because it just takes one woman to mark territory. And when you mark territory, his name will be Yahweh. Father, we thank you right now that that name is above all names. God, that revelation had to come to Moses before he could stand on the enemy's territory because Moses was not sufficient enough, but God's name, Yahweh, said, I'm the sufficient one. God, Moses would go through ten plagues of process and God, Pharaoh's heart would harden over and over again. But he stood there and said, your name is holy. I stood on holy ground. I was called by a holy God. Therefore, I expect holy results. Because your name is Yahweh. And Father, right now, I thank you for the privilege of extending my hands towards your people, Lord. And I declare over them, I am Yahweh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I am who I am and I always will be who I am. And God, give us revelation of who you are in our life and what you can do. God, I speak Passover over your people, Lord. I thank you for the power of the blood that can break death sentences. I thank you, God, that when we, when we commune with you and we, we really sup of your table and eat of your bread, Yahweh, you come in and reveal to us your son in all his glory. And Father, I speak over women of the word. That God Yahweh will be the sufficient one for their life. And that God you will achieve what only you can achieve. And you will do what only you can do.
And Father, we leave this place blessed of the Lord because of the water of the word that has washed us and strengthened us and the power of the blood that has found a place in our life that breaks death sentences and brings us out to take us in. Father, don't just let us be a people coming out. Position us to go in because your name is Yahweh. We praise you today, Lord. We praise Yahweh today. We thank you for a covenant God today. We thank you that the covenant that you swore by yourself cannot be broken. Neither can it be altered or changed. And so we as your people come in agreement with your covenant to go after the harvest and to declare he has set the captives free. And he has given life through the blood. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.